Can't nobody do me like Jesus. He's my friend. He's my friend. Hallelujah. I just want to greet, uh, are we recording now? For all of you that are listening through the Internet to our website, we appreciate you. We love you. We wish we could have you all in one place at one time. I'm sure there would be a group of you because uh, we've heard from some of you. Amen. And we just thank you for your response to this ministry. We pray that we can continue to be a blessing to you. God has blessed us and called us to preach to the regions beyond, and that's why I identify myself as pastor-slash-evangelist, because I pastor a church, but I evangelize the world through the Internet. We're thankful for our Internet pastor, Brother Doug Herring, and uh, he does a great job of framing and presenting uh, the, the ministry, and God is doing a great job of sending it where he wants it to go. Praise God. So thank you for joining us today. Amen. We're going to try to, uh, to uh, uh, you know, save a little bit of time and move forward very quickly here. But as you know, that means absolutely nothing. So if, stay tuned as long as you can. And uh, they used to say, get all you can and can all you get. God is good today. Father, we just thank you and we praise you today for your holy word. Last week we began our sermon. I'm not trying to, to, to lighten up something that's very, very serious in, in the sense of not beginning with the seriousness of this matter. But I want you to, to get something that grabs your attention. Last week we talked about hands up, got you surrounded. Amen? Today we're going to talk about hands up, I got you covered. Everybody here is putting their hands up except the people that didn't see my weapon. Amen. Amen. That's because it's a concealed weapon. You're not supposed to see it. Amen. Actually, the Word of God is not a concealed weapon. The Bible is the sword in its sheath. Amen. But once it gets in your heart and in your mouth, it's the sword out of the sheath. When Jesus comes to deal with the Antichrist, to deal with the false prophet, the Bible said there's a sword coming out of his mouth. Someone who was an artist, really good at it, drew me a picture. I wish I had kept it. I lost it somewhere in the move that we made. But it, it, it showed Jesus literally, according to the book of Revelation, the scripture, that a sword goeth out of his mouth. Well, what is the sword of the Spirit? Is it a literal sword? No, it is the word of God. The word in your heart is the sword in its sheath, but the word in your mouth is the sword ready to be used. And it's time that what's in our heart is matched by our words and our, because the mind matters and so does the mouth. Amen. The mind matters. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind after you've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit in your soul and spirit. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. For with the heart, and goes on to the mouth, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Hold fast your profession, which is literally confession, which is literally to say the same thing as another. You need to say about yourself what God has said about you. You say, Brother Bimbala, I don't feel like a, I feel more like a victim than a victor. Well, I'm sorry that you feel that way. That's your feeling. That's not a fact. And at some point, the Word of God has to be a fact that overrides your feelings. At some point, the fact 
of God's truth and God's word and God's faithfulness has to and must override your feelings. I feel, I, I told somebody the other day, very close to me, I told them, I said, listen, you, you can't keep saying what you're saying. It's not that the words themselves are doing this. It's not just the words saying the right words. It's getting right in your heart. For the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I'm no good. I can't make it. God, I don't have faith to believe. I just don't. I heard someone literally tell me, I don't have faith to believe. Well, what are you going to do about that? Just keep saying you can't receive it? Are you going to do what's necessary to build your faith to receive? Amen? We can't just keep complaining and, and not complying with God's Word. I love you. But there's a point, and I'm praying for people that don't have faith to receive. It's not that God is unfaithful. It's there's no faith to receive. There are people I know that do not. I know preachers that don't spend time in the Word. They cram on Saturday night trying to get a message for Sunday morning. I know Christians that don't put a premium on the Word of God. And yet, what comes by hearing? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I put a premium on it. I heard somebody preaching the other day. It was so good, I pulled my car off the road into a parking lot and sat and listened to the rest of the service. Ah, oh, Brother Vimber, you're in the Bible. You, listen, my soul, like your soul, needs feeding. And it needs feeding. On, and it's not every preacher. It's something that is feeding my soul. And we used to. I don't know what you do now, but I didn't look for the performance of the choir. I didn't look for the programs in the church. I looked for something that would feed my soul. Because push come to shove. I need faith to trust God through my trials and my tests. Amen? So I, I went where I got my soul fed. If you didn't feed my soul, you had nothing. There's nothing you could do in that church to appeal to me. You can entertain me. I don't go for the entertainment. I go because I go through trials, and I need a prayer answering God. And I need not only a prayer answering God, I need to be in a, in a posture and position of faith to receive the answer. Amen? When you pray for people to have no faith to receive, God is not going to override their unbelief to answer your prayer. There's a law of faith. There's a spiritual law of faith. God requires faith. Faith honors God. That's why God honors faith. Amen? Now faith is. Well, there goes my sword. You know, I spent all this time I knew the Lord would probably do that. But He did say, study to show yourself approved a workman that need not be ashamed rightfully dividing the word of truth. I have to put that up right now. Do you see the track we're on? Amen. God is labeled unfaithful because people don't have faith to receive. And then our ally can't help us. Not because he doesn't want to. Amen. Not because he doesn't want to, but because we have limited the Holy One of Israel. Psalm 78, I believe it is, it said, Yea, they turn. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness? How oft did they upset? He wasn't mad at them so much as godly anger. 
He wasn't provoked like that. What provoked him was that he wanted to keep his covenant to his people. And he wanted to be known as a covenant-keeping faithful God. But they, they, not him being unfaithful, but they, how often they provoked him in the wilderness. Yea, they turned back and limited the Holy One of Israel. I'm going to tell you something about God. Devils and demons can't limit Him. If He pronounces and commands, oh, if He commands a blessing on you, hell can't stop it. You can't ever blame the devil again if you get His favor and you trust Him and believe Him. You can't say, I would have, except for the devil. You just get the devil out of the mix. God's greater. He that's in you, because now He's come to live in you, is greater than he that's in the world. It's not who's coming against you, it's who's for you that makes the difference in the battle. Because if God be for you, in the old covenant, Israel was intimidated by their enemies. And, and they were oppressed by the enemy and the fear of the enemy. And if you live oppressed, it won't be long till you become depressed. You will. You'll live in a state of fearful depression because you don't know what's going to happen next and you don't know if you, if you have the resources you need to meet what's coming next. That's why God wants to build your faith. I know people that are saying, and they've said it to me, they're saying, I, 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 just, don't, I, I, I just don't have faith to believe for that. And they're not exposing themselves to the Word of God where faith comes from. Amen? They can tell you what's coming to Netflix next month. They know what's coming to CBS and NBC. Amen. But they're not exposing themselves to the Word of God. And yet faith comes. The faith you're going to need and that God needs in order to keep His covenant promises to you. There's a law of faith, isn't there? As your faith be, Spiritual law, as your faith be, as your faith be, so be it unto you. If thou canst believe, if thou canst believe, you will see the glory of God. If thou canst believe, God wants you to be able to believe. He loves you. Enough to do it. But He won't do it without your faith. He requires faith on your part. Amen? And it's spiritual law. It's just flat out spiritual law. Once He establishes a principle, it becomes spiritual law. And there's a law of faith. You can't get saved without it. That's why He gave you a measure of it to begin with. It's not that you can't believe. There are people saying, I can't believe. No, you can. You won't believe. You're making a choice there. To every man, every man, without exception, is given the measure of faith. You were born with it. When it says faith cometh by hearing, it doesn't mean it shows up when you hear the Word of God. It's there. Let me explain this to you. It's there to every man was given the measure of faith. That's why when we preached in the islands, when I went and did mission work in Haiti, 
which is a stronghold of voodoo and the devil. Amen. When I preached there, people came to Christ. How could they believe? This is kind of a Western gospel to them. How can missionaries go to people who can't speak our language and has never heard the gospel and preach the gospel and people get saved? You know how and you know why? Oh, Grandma is in the hospital. Okay, and take her to the hospital. All right. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for letting us know. Thank you, brother. Thank you for that. Hallelujah. Father, let's just pray for for Terry's mother. She's up in age, and and all we who have been caregivers know what that's all about, and we know how quick things can change. Father, you're where she is right now, and I pray. Father, for her help and her healing, I pray for her to survive as long as time is given her here upon this earth, that she will fulfill that time. When it's time to go home, I pray it will be sweet, it will be peaceful, it will be within your purpose for her life. And I pray for my brother and my sister that are having so many people that they're responsible for. And I pray that you will strengthen Doug and you strengthen Sherry right now and keep them in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen and amen and amen. There's a law of faith. There's a law of faith. God is no respecter of persons, but as your faith be, so be it unto you. People live under the assumption that because I preached the gospel for so many years, I have some special standing with him. No, my standing with him is exactly the same as yours. Amen? Exactly. But I, I work at keeping my faith defended. The shield of faith is not a force within you that just shows up because you're reading promises. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God is not just like a promise box that you get, you know, that's at, at, the, at the Christian bookstore. It's more than that. It is a book that reveals the person of God and the person of Christ. And it's not faith in a promise. It's faith in a person. Then you go to the promise. It doesn't start with the promise. It starts with the person. Amen? That's why the Old Testament word for faith captures it better than the New Testament and must be incorporated to understand New Testament faith. You think you understand it by reading Hebrews 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's not a description of faith, but a description of what faith does when it's activated. The substance of things hoped for is not what faith is in its substance, but it's the substance that when you activate faith, what you're hoping for becomes reality. Heaviness in the heart of a man causes it to stoop, but when the desire cometh, that that you've hoped for comes to pass, because you've activated your faith, and God is eternally faithful. Amen? Are you getting, do you understand that? It takes a while to get this stuff. Since you've been coming here, have, have, have you been challenged to change? Amen? Has anything happened? Are you, are you, you don't ever just snap through these things. This is a process of planting seed and seed and seed plants growing up and then the full ear. 
Hallelujah. That's when the fruitfulness comes. And we've been planting seeds, planting seeds. And we get good ground hearts. You know, the Bible said of ancient Israel, they had the gospel preached unto them. That's in type and foreshadow. They had the good news preached unto them in ancient Israel. But it did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. That's the law of faith. Can you imagine God saying, I want to do this, I want to do that, I purpose to do that. But they turned back and limited the Holy One of Israel. They didn't mix faith with it. And guess what the devil wants? Here's his strategy. You pray, you don't get an answer, so God is unfaithful. You pray and you do not get an answer, so God must not love you like he loves Brother Venable. Because Brother Venable, listen, church, God is no respecter of persons. He loves all of us as if there's only one of us. Can you say amen? God doesn't love Billy Graham more than he loves you. I love the humility of Billy Graham after all the souls that he has brought to the Lord and the influence he's had in a positive way to the gospel. He said, when I get to heaven, and he gave his wife credit for standing by him and shoring him up and praying for him. Amen. He said, when I get to heaven, I believe that an angel is going to come up to me, come running up to me and say, you're, 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 I know who you are. I've heard a lot about you. You're Ruth Graham's husband. Amen. Giving her credit for his success ministerially because she backed him up and she prayed for him. Amen. Or Roberts gave credit to his, called it his beloved wife, Evelyn. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen to me carefully today. These people are, you, you are peculiar people. And that doesn't mean just weird. I love you today. Praise God. Peculiar in the sense that you are blood-bought. You are set apart. God calls covenant Israel in the Old Covenant His peculiar treasure. Peculiar means there's nobody on the face of planet Earth that has the relationship of God that a believer in Christ does. Oh, yeah. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy Set apart unto God. Hallelujah. Nation. You are peculiar people that you might show forth the praises. This is not about just raising your hand in boisterous worship. It's the virtues. This word praises means the virtues of Jesus Christ. We show forth His character because we've come to know Him. And you become what you behold. As we behold as in a glass reflected. What does a glass do? It reflects to you a face, doesn't it? As we behold, as in a glass, everybody say mirror. It's not talking about a pane of glass. It's talking about a mirror in Scripture. As we behold, as in a mirror, whose face? Ours? No, His face. We are transformed into His image from glory process, progressively, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. You know what the fruit fruit of the Spirit is? It's the replication in you and I of the character of Jesus Christ. It's not your love. Your love has limits. Your love has limits. 
His doesn't. Yours is finite. His is infinite. (laughs) Hallelujah. You love people as long as they love you back. He loved people that will never love him back enough to give his son. And he commends his kind of love, the agape love to us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Christ died for the ungodly, not just the good people, but the worst of the worst. Hallelujah. That's why you should never let the devil point his ugly condemning finger at you. If you confess your sins, you need to, you need to not only receive God's forgiveness, you need to forgive yourself. And don't let nobody else point their finger at you either. Well, they'll never forgive me. That's on them. That's not on you. You make sure you forgive everybody. Amen. Listen to me. You'll be, I hear people that go to church that are that are absolutely depressed because they are oppressed of the enemy and they become depressed and then they question God's faithfulness. God wants you to get your feet on a rock. He didn't lift you out of the miry clay to put you uh, on the brink of that pit so you keep sliding right back into the same old pattern. No. He lifts you out. He puts your feet on a rock. Can you say, man... He, He establishes you when He delivers you. Amen? If He don't establish you, He's never delivered you. You've just tried to quit it, and you can't without His deliverance. It takes the supernatural to deliver anybody. Amen? That's why AA uh, works for people that have a strong resolve, but somebody that's really, really spiritually Bound with addiction, the spirit of addiction, pharmacos, they're going to need more than resolve in themselves. They're going to need God's deliverance. I got good news for them. God is ready to deliver. When my son got sick and tired of being sick and tired, God delivered him from alcohol addiction. But until he got sick and tired of being sick and tired, there was nothing that changed, though I prayed for him every single day of my life. He had to be open to receive that. But when he became open to receive it, God did it just like that. Hallelujah. Well, when God takes this away from me, I'll give it up. God is not going to take nothing that you do not will to be delivered from. Sixty percent of men watch pornography every week. That's over one out of two. It's addictive. It's an addiction. It's an addiction. It's an addiction. If it was just men in the world that, that are constantly stimulated by commercials and movies and everything else, and, and it's, you know, we lived, when we first went to, went to the Holy Church of God, we were two blocks behind the X-rated theater. People asked me where our church was, and I would say, we're in Sulphur Springs. You know, right there on Sitka Street, two blocks behind the X-rated theater. And they say, I know where that is. You didn't get that, did you? (laughs) It stayed in the X-rated theater. We thought about buying that theater because we were outgrowing our church at one time. And then I thought we'd have to go in and sanctify the place. Amen. That's right. Ew. Can you imagine? We'd have to get bleach and plead the blood. But if we bleached and pleaded the blood, it would be sanctified. 
Because the blood has sanctifying power. Praise God. It'll clean you up. So will the Word. Hallelujah. devil ain't got nothing so bad that God can't clean it up. Praise God. Listen to me carefully. That's not the worst of it. There's a huge percentage of ministers that are caught in the same trap. And nobody knows it but God and the devil. Can you say amen? But it's addictive. My youngest son, Matthew, when he was 12 years old, had a friend that was 15 years old, and the 15-year-old introduced him to pornography. He had never never been exposed to it. Hardcore stuff. He came to me crying. He said, Dad, Dad, I, I didn't want to watch, but Dad, it's like an addiction. And I said, of course it's like it is an addiction. It, it, an addiction is something that becomes a habit. And a habit is from the Latin word that means have you. It has control of you. It overrules your good sense. It overrides you. I've often said it. Sin will take you where you did not initially want to go. You may have enjoyed the habit, but it will take you somewhere that you did not initially plan on going. It will keep you longer than you wanted to stay. Can you say, man, when you think I've had enough, it won't, it'll refuse to let you go. Amen. But I've got good news for you. If you've had enough, I know a man. I know a man. I know a man. You can't do it in yourself, but I know a man who can. Can you say, man, ah, Lord God, Thou hast made the heavens by Thine outstretched hand. There's nothing too hard for you. Can you say, man, your case is not too hard for Him. If you want to be free, you can be free. You can be set free. You can be scot-free. I don't know where that came from. Hallelujah. But you can be free. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And if you continue in My Word, you'll know the truth. And once you know the truth about that issue and every other issue, Amen, the truth will make you free. Because the truth is not just a, a spiritual concept that intellectually we have received and embraced. The truth Truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life. And I've come to give it to you more abundantly. Can you say, man? Thank God there's deliverance today, not just for the world. Salvation and deliverance. There's deliverance for Christians who are bound. And there's a whole lot of Christians sitting in church with habits that do not bring glory to God, that defile the temple. Hallelujah. Listen to me today. God wants to bring a sweeping revival to His church because He's coming soon. And He loved the church so much, hallelujah, that He cleansed it by the washing of water, by the Word, that He might present it unto Himself a way that you could never present yourself unto Him. Can you say, man, you can't get clean enough or right enough. But when you yield and surrender to God, confess every sin and ask Him to help you overcome, there's nothing, nothing, and no one that can keep Him from delivering you. But you've got to get real honest and real sincere, and you've got to want it more than you want the sin. Amen? You've got to want it more than you want the sin. Prodigal son had to come to want before he came to himself. 
But when he came to himself and said, I'd rather be a servant in my father's house, this sin has brought me where I didn't want to go. It's kept me longer than I wanted to say. And it says that I'll never let you go. But I know a man. I can go back to my father's house. Oh, if we could just get the alumni back in church. People who were once servants of God, once followed God, once loved God, if they would just come back to God. Amen. We'd have so many people in church that could be a witness to the world. If we could just get the backslider back to God. Amen. We preached a glorious revival service at the Holy Church of God. We had some kind of event downstairs. We were all eating together. Somebody's husband was sitting there. He said, in Brother Venerable, I was walking by shaking hands, and he was telling somebody, he said, in Brother Venerable's church, you don't have to worry about backsliding. If you come to this church, you're going to front slide. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. And I thought, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I praise you. I give you honor. That's what we want. Amen. If the Christians got stirred up in America, if every Christian, oh, if Doug was here, if you've ever been to the website and you read the macro, macro thing, people looking for a macro revival, something that you can see crowds, when all of this begins with an individual and another individual and another individual. It's not just God sending it down to a crowd of people suddenly. No, it's about one by one by one by one stirring up the gift that's in them. Hallelujah. Praise God. I remember the revival that I read about in Wales when it happened in the United Kingdom. Coal miners fasting and working in a coal mine 12 hours a day and fasting and praying for revival. And boy, when it hit, it hit. And they got a, a preacher from somewhere else to come in to bring the sermon. They got so hungry for God when the revival came, amen, that they came to a sheriff that they, they knew, knew Christ. He was an open, de- declared witness for the Lord. They came to the county jail and the sheriff's office and asked him to read the Bible to them. Until they could get a man to come in. A man came in and he got there, a preacher that had heard about the revival. They asked him to come. He came to, to preach to them. They were so hungry for the Word. He got there late because he was delayed. It was 10 o'clock at night. He met someone on the street and he said, he said, where can I find lodging for the night? I'm supposed to begin to minister tomorrow at a church that's having service every day. And they said, they're waiting for you. It's 10 o'clock at night. The preacher isn't there. And they are in the building waiting for the Word. Somebody say, that's revival. Come on, it's not the big show we put on. It's not how much we clap our hands or how we jump around on the platform. It's the hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed is He. That hunger and thirst what? For more power? For, for, for righteousness. To be truly right with God. Hallelujah. They shall be filled with what? What they're hungry for. And that is to be truly right with God. So that revival broke out and it made news around the world and people came from around the world to participate in that mighty move of God called the Welsh Revival. I haven't given up on revival in America. I'm not impressed with mega churches without revival. You say, with well, that many people, it must be revival. Wrong. 
It's not how many people are sitting in the building, but how many people take up their cross and follow Christ when they leave the building. That's revival. And that's what will reach the world. It's not the phony baloney stuff. There's a man just killed a family of three with a rifle. His friends and people that knew him said this about him. Matter of fact, he was a minor league baseball player's brother-in-law. Killed the baseball player's wife, his child, and her mother. Cold blood. Took off all his clothes, carrying a rifle running down the road. And the police arrested him. Incredible stuff going on. That's a week ago in America. People are shooting people just for the sake of killing them. Even toddlers are dying on the streets of America. But we don't want a manger scene in the town square. We keep pushing God out of the culture as far as we can push Him. We, they don't even want Chick-fil-A to open up a store at an airport in Texas because they, do not, they believe in one man and one woman for marriage. They believe that's the pattern and they're Christian and they're unabashed about it. So they don't want them there because they represent something that's offensive to the culture. But look at the culture. Look at the culture. Look at the culture. You send your kids to school. They are not safe unless you pray over them and get God's covering because the school cannot assure their safety. Amen. They can't do it. They, can't, they know they can't do it. The police can't assure your safety. Only God can secure you in this generation. Mass murders. People killing innocent people for no reason. It's not even vengeance. It's not even for wealth or gain. It's just for the sake of killing. I'm mad at the world and I'm just going to kill people. And it can happen anywhere at any time. It can happen one man that did it in the mall. So we're living in a perilous time. And the church is wanting to be entertained. And the church world, pastors bound by alcohol. And the people that knew this young man, and he is a very handsome, if you saw him outside of that craziness, oh, well, he went nuts. Listen, they're discrediting, discounting something. If you're not really truly belong to God, you're of your father the devil. And his works you will do. He will blind you and He will bind you and He will use you. And some of these people, they're trying to pick their brain to see what their motivation was. You know what they're saying? They're saying, I don't know. I don't know. Some people blame it on the alcohol. Some blame it on the drugs, but they're leaving out a component. Amen. There are two forces loose in this world. Light and darkness, good and evil. Can you say amen? And when you give yourself over to the darkness and over to the evil... There are terrible consequences and we're seeing it. We're leaving now. And many churches, they don't believe in a literal devil anymore. They've defined the Holy Spirit as the Godhead, as the force. 
and the, and the manifestor of the force is Jesus and the, and the something else of the force. And, and one man laid down his credentials after 30 years in that denomination because the leader of the denomination didn't even want to say God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost to name the Trinity because we might offend someone. But we talk about forces and not be specific. See, there's no other name given under heaven to men by which we must be saved. Amen. So don't name Jesus. The issue wasn't religion. The issue wasn't God as a generic term in the New Covenant. Why don't preach or teach in that name anymore? Why that name? Why? Go, didn't say stop having theological discussions, preaching, teaching about God, but don't bring the name of Jesus into it. Why? Because God has given him a name. And it's unique to him and exclusive to him. And there's no other name given to men under heaven by which we must be saved except the name of Jesus. They say, preach all you want, but don't use that name. Hallelujah. Listen to me carefully. People say God and you think they're part of us. People say, I pray, and you think they're praying to our God. Amen. You don't take any of that at face value. There's all kinds of gods and, and all kinds of pseudo-Jesuses. In the last day, many shall come and say, and I am Christ. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Anointed One. And people will run to and fro. Very carefully. Listen to me. This is so important today. We're seeing the chaos. People that knew this young man said he was a Christian. Honey, it's not just that that makes me doubt all this Christian stuff that, that evil is manifesting. And people are saying, because I got saved when I was 12 and baptized in water, I'm a Christian forever. That's a damnable heresy. It'll take your soul to hell. You'll be part of the many that say, Lord, Lord, on that day. Say, I never knew you. Amen. It's not your claim on knowing Him. It's Him acknowledging that He knows you. You have to be born again to get into this thing. Amen. You can't just go to church and go through some religious ritual. You must be born again. It's an imperative. Hallelujah. That old man has to die. And that new man has to arrive. He's not fully manifest, but he is already, amen, alive and well when you get saved. Listen to me carefully. This is important stuff. We're seeing the backwash, the backlash of pushing God out more and more and more and more and more and more and more. And we're seeing the intense angst and hatred for anyone who espouses Christ and the Gospel and the Bible. Because the Bible condemns the world for its sinfulness and tells them they are accountable to God and they don't want to hear it. And preachers are pressuring other preachers to not bear down on it. Not bring it forward. We are aiding and abetting the devil in giving people a false sense of security. We've made salvation something less than what the Bible says it is. Number one, when you get saved, you're not just baptized into a denomination or a church organization. There is a spiritual act that occurs. For we are baptized by one Spirit 
into one body. Can you say man? So if any man be in Christ, what what is he? Is he just a church going, church going, blaspheming, drug addicted, sex addicted, just a just a church going sinner that's got salvation no matter what he does? No. If any man be in Christ, he is what? Say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. A new creation. It means that you are now going to have a running battle with the flesh as long as you are in the flesh. It means there's a conflict. There's a law, Paul said, in my members. My flesh and my spirit are in distinct diametrical disagreement. Amen. I have to crucify my flesh. And I can't even do it by myself. Who will deliver me from the body of sin? I thank God through Jesus Christ. What is happening? A new man is inside the old man. Hallelujah. And the old man is still the old man, but the new man is saying, but there's victory over the old man. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 It is not sinless perfection. It is perfectly committed to the God that we love and serve. And when I fail, I get up, confess my sin, and I go on. I don't live in it and I don't wallow in it because I'm a new creation. Old things have. All things have. Woo! They're calling 911. I don't know if they're calling the cops or the ambulance. They're going to put me in cuffs or a straitjacket, but if I'm crazy, let me alone. Listen to me carefully. We've turned salvation into something that doesn't make you a new person. There's no regeneration. There's no supernatural work of God. You can't even come to Jesus. Except the Father draw you. You can't get saved when you want to. You have to respond to a call. That's why it's so dangerous to keep pushing back at the Holy Spirit. Pushing back at the Holy Spirit. Though the, those that were with Him were called. They were chosen because they answered the call. And they were faithful because they understood, appreciated what they have when they have salvation. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So the Scripture is very clear. God requires faith even for salvation. By faith. By grace you are saved through faith. The grace God provides. But you have to provide the will, the confession of sin, the repentance, and the will to trust Christ as your Savior. Amen? You're not saved because you were baptized in water. You're not saved because you go to that church. You're not saved because someone laid hands on you. By grace, God provides the grace. Remember the blood in the Old Covenant and the place it had? The blood of Jesus represented in the New Covenant. Same way. When the death angel came, and that's what Passover was all about, communion is all about. And the death angel came. He said, here's a way for you to be kept and your children to be kept. When he comes in the land, you've got to have a covering. You've got to have a covering. I want you to take a lamb from the fold. By the way, every forgiveness granted through every sacrifice of the old covenant was a type and foreshadow of Jesus to come. 
And none of them would have been accepted if they were not accepted looking forward to Christ's coming and going to the cross. Amen. Not one of them could be accepted just for its own sake. There's no lamb that has any redeeming power in it except it represent the Lamb of God who was to come. Do you get that? Otherwise, we could just slay a lamb today and get our sins forgiven. No, you have to receive Christ today. That veil is torn. That system is done. This is the new covenant in His blood. Hallelujah. Praise God. And the Lamb supplied the blood. But they, by faith, had to apply the blood. Can you say amen? It wasn't enough to slay the Lamb who supplied the blood. They had to apply it to the doorpost, the threshold of their home. For the angel said, when I see a slain Lamb, no, when I see applied blood, I will pass over you. Can you say man? How if you've been if you've been to Jesus for the cleansing power, that's the question. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? You know when you applied the blood, when you repented of your sin and received Christ as your Lord and Savior, the blood that was supplied at the by the way, He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He said, My blood was shed for every human being on this planet. I haven't decided from, from the beginning to save some and damn some, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. There's the law of faith. But go tell them. Everybody. Don't exclude anybody. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And thank God for the Christ that says you you must be born again. Can you say, man? My grandpa, Lord have mercy. Coal miner, moonshine drinking, old Sal Hopper. I don't, they called him Sally. I don't know why they called him Sally, but I don't know if his middle name. I never figured that out. But they called him old Sal Hopper. He was a big man, barrel-chested. Wow, he, he was intimidating. He'd come home and, and the kids had been mean and he'd be drinking, tired from working in the coal mine. He'd pull off his belt and begin to whip the kids and forget because he was so inebriated he beat them with the buckle end and left more than welts on them. Literally broke the skin in many cases. Today they were taking the kids away from him and probably should have, but the thing was that's how my mama grew up. Old Sal Hopper, when he had a stroke, couldn't be independent. He got mad at the world. He got mad at God. If he ever believed in God, he got mad at everybody. And every nurse in the nursing home dreaded waiting on him because he cursed at them every time they walked in his room to help him. He was meaner than a snake. Oh, Sal Hopper. He had a spell with his heart. They put him in... Tampa General or St. Joseph, I don't remember which, but I remember getting the call that your grandpa's in the hospital. So I went to the hospital, met a nurse outside. I said, I'm here to see my grandpa. Once I got up to the room and the door was shut, you know how they do with all this stuff. And, and she said, well, he's, he's not awake. We don't know if he'll ever wake up. She said, but you can go in if you'd like to. I said, ma'am, I'd like to. 
And so I stopped just inside the door. And, he... and I said, Lord, wake him up. He needs you. I don't want him to go out of this world without you. Wake him up. Wake him up. Wake him up. And suddenly he looked over, opened his eyes, became lucid, and he said, I've been waiting for you. The Lord's calling him. Wow, you can do everything you can, but when the Lord calls, things change. I've been waiting for you. I walked over beside the bed, <laughs> and I said, Grandpa, I said, what were you waiting for me for? He said, because I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. I said, sir, let's pray. We prayed the sinner's prayer. She, he confessed his sins. He received Jesus as his Savior. God healed him from that heart spell. Amen. They sent him back to the nursing home. My mother went to see him the next day. They ran up to my mother. The nurses ran up to my mother and said, what happened to your daddy? She said, I understood he had a bad spell with his heart. She, he said, no, no, I'm not talking about physically. What happened to your daddy? And the nurse told her, the head nurse said, we, everyone that came on the shift hated to wait on your daddy. She knew why everybody, it wasn't no secret. He was a hard case. And she said, he's changed. He's changed. He's changed. He's changed. He's so sweet. He's so grateful for everything that we do. He's so kind. Look at the fruit of the Spirit. Look at the character of Jesus. Look at the nature of God suddenly arriving in an old coal mining, cursing, hateful, mean man that has, that is a new, that is a new, that is a new, that is a new. Come on, this old phony salvation that doesn't make anything new. Come on, this phony Christianity that doesn't change anything in your life, it doesn't make you sinlessly perfect, but it makes you a new creation. Because you are in Christ, and Christ is in you. Wow. Three months later, he passed away with peace and joy and a testimony to the staff at the nursing home. And when they asked me what happened to your granddad, I told them what happened to my granddad. He received Christ as his Savior. And see, everybody knows someone that received Jesus and there's no change. But there are people saying, that don't matter. They were baptized when they were 14 and there, that's all you can do. If you did anything else, it would be a work. No, it, that's not a work. That's a fruit. That's a product of God inside of you. That's not working. The Bible said work out your own salvation. Not work for it, but let what's happened in you, work it out. Let it come out where it can be seen. It can be seen. It must be seen to be credible. You'll know them by the fruit. You'll know them by the fruit. Not by their testimony, not by what they say, not by their denominational affiliation. You will know them by the fruit that they bear. It may be tiny fruit. It may be immature fruit. But there's got to be some evidence. I used to love the song. Didn't care for the minister of ministry much, but I love the song. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you?
evidence. We need some evidence that a change has come. I know people right now that believe they're going to heaven. I hope they're right. But there has to be more. There has to be more. Your eternal soul is going to live somewhere forever. You need more than the fact that you joined the church or prayed some little prayer back way back when. But now live every single day. Titus 1.16. Titus 1.16. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. Can you say, man, being unto every good work abominable and reprobate. But they profess that they know God. That's how they... Stave off conviction. That's how they don't want you to ask them about Jesus in their life. They profess that they know God. i got to hurry, but I, I don't have to hurry. This is too important to rush. We're almost done. I went to the hospital to pray for Mom Reedy's husband. Church-going man. Baptized in water. Didn't come to our church because it was Pentecostal. And it wasn't just because of tongues and people falling out under the power of God and a preacher that preaches like me. It was conviction. It was conviction. Conviction is very uncomfortable, particularly if you're satisfied where you are and you think everything is just fine. Do you know the Lord? Yes, of course. I go to church. That's not the question. That's not the question. There's a lot of church-going people, according to Scripture, that are not going to heaven. Church is a good place to go to hear the gospel so you can go to heaven. But going to church is not synonymous with salvation. You've got to apply the blood that He has supplied by faith. Listen to me carefully. I went, I went to pray for Dad Reedy. They had called his son from Germany to come in because they were sure he was going to die. And he was scheduled for some kind of procedure. And I went and I said, Pop, I said, uh, your wife tells me that you're scheduled for surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I could tell he was cold, you know, you know, have body language. I said, listen, I said, uh, I'm going to pray for your healing. I did the same thing for your husband. I said, I'm going to pray for your healing. But first, I want to pray for your soul. Thank God we put that first, right? Sister Pat's husband, same way. We went there to pray for his healing, but we prayed for his soul first. And he got saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My grandpa got saved. Going to see him in heaven. There was fruit. Can you say amen? Listen to me. So, so I said, Pop, if you didn't wake up, are you ready to meet the Lord? After this procedure. He said. I go to church. Every chance I get. I said sir. I didn't ask you that. I asked you are you sure. That you are saved. So that if you did not wake up. You could stand before God. And he said no sir. I'm not. I said would you like to be sure. He said, yes, I would. I said, that means we confess every sin that we know of and ask God to show us any we don't know. But we ask God to forgive us and make Jesus our Lord and Savior. Amen. The Lord of our life. We surrender to Him. We agree to unconditional surrender. 
Hallelujah. I said unconditional surrender. So he surrendered his life to God. Come to church with his wife. He wanted to will us his house. He wanted, he, when the mailbox got half about to fall over, here comes this old guy that was at death's door that God has sustained. He's down there helping clean the church. He's down there digging a hole with the post hole digger in 95 degree weather to help put in a, to put in a new mailbox. I wouldn't have let him do it if I knew he was doing it. He just wanted to be the sweetest. He told me, he said, you're my spiritual son. (laughs) He said, I pray that I can be your spiritual dad. And I grabbed him and said, Daddy, I love you. (laughs) He said, Son, I love you too. Praise God. That's that hundredfold family that you get when you come in the kingdom. Wow. Wanted to will me his property. And I told him, no, give that to your real kids. (laughs) Amen. They didn't have much to do with him. Wasn't much property either, but the point was he loved me. We know we passed from death to life because we go to the first church of what's happening now. No, we know we passed from death to life because we love the brethren. It's a fruit, not a work. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. It's evidence. And there was evidence of salvation. And he went home peacefully. And he's waiting. I'm glad I was able to lead him to the Lord. But you know, sometimes when you pray in a prayer, it ricochets off somebody else. God's target was that person, but it ricochets. And I looked over, and a man had pulled back the blind. You know, when you come in, they don't want to see you. They pull it. He had got up, pulled it open, and was looking at me wide-eyed. And I said, sir, would you like me to pray with you today? He had some serious thing going on. Boy, I tell you, you never know what God's going to do when you're instant in season, out of season. I walked over to his bed, and I said, Sir, I'm going to ask you what I ask Pop Reedy here. I'm going to pray for your healing like you asked me to, but first, do you know Christ as your Savior? And boy, here it comes. Here it comes. Here, the devil loves to keep you just short of salvation. Amen? Just close enough to give you a false sense of security. He said, I have had the navigator's course in Scripture memory. And there is a course where you remember Scripture. He said, I, he was good evidently. He said, and I didn't ask him to do it, you know, for time's sake. We need to deal with the real issue here. He said, I can recite the book of St. Matthew without looking in the Bible and not miss a word. And I thought, well, isn't, I didn't say it because I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but I thought, well, isn't that just peachy? That's going to be great when you stand before God Almighty, supposed to be washed in the blood of Jesus and sealed with the Holy Spirit, and you're going to start reciting St. Matthew. It's not what He has supplied, it's what you have applied. If you read St. Matthew, you know you need to get saved somewhere in there. He could quote all that Scripture. And thought that was enough. That was some kind of virtue that God would honor to give him access to the heavenly city. And I said, sir, that's not my question. I said, that's so commendable. I wish I had a photographic memory like that. Especially of Scripture. But I said, that's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you if you don't wake up after they put you under. 
Are you ready to stand before God? Tears begin to stream down his cheeks. See, God was calling him. Hallelujah. You can buttonhole people, pinhole people, be aggressive in your witness, but if God isn't calling them, they, they might even agree with you to get you off their back. Can you say amen? But when God calls, the heart is ready. And you just got to be ready when the heart is ready. We prayed the sinner's prayer. Hallelujah. And the man got saved. And think about getting saved when you go to the church that never challenged you on that issue. You don't like it that they didn't challenge you. Can you say amen? Because you know that if you died, you wouldn't go to heaven. And they wouldn't challenge you. They want you to be pacified on Sunday morning. Amen. You don't need to be pacified. You need to be challenged. You know people that need to get saved. They go to church, but they need to get saved. They may sing in a choir, but they need to get saved. They may teach in a class, but they need to get saved. Amen. And God wants them saved. That's the good news. Hallelujah. So we're seeing the backwash now, the perilous time. We push God out of the culture, and it's not only affected the world and infected the world. We're the most, one of the most violent nations in terms of, of criminal acts on each other that there is on the planet. We're one of the most. We're also the leader and the purveyor of pornography to the world. We introduced it to Russia. I went to a pastor's meeting, 60, 70 of us. We had a luncheon. I sat at a table with five people, people I didn't know. We introduced ourselves. There was a man with a big Bible. He introduced himself as Apostle so-and-so, and that's fine with me. If you say you are, that's great. That's dandy. And don't carry a lot of weight with me unless I see the marks of an apostle. And it's not your little card that says I'm an apostle. And it's not your pride in being one. Can you say amen? Amen. I said it's not your pride in being one. God resists the proud. So, so anyway, I just, I write that off. But I don't, you know, I just, I'm not impressed with titles. Amen. You can you know, it's hard to find a pastor. You can find an apostle, a bunch of them. And prophets and prophetesses. I believe in them, but I don't believe everybody's one. Amen? I just don't. I'm sorry. Where's the humble servant? Where's the basin and the towel? We got people so high. There, there are people that are being supposed to be mentored by this person who puts himself on that pedestal. They're not being mentored, they're enslaved. They have to go with them on their trips, shine their shoes, do everything in the world like some little old dog following somebody around. Lord, have mercy. You, you listen, you're the sons and daughters of God today. Amen. You, 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 oh my goodness. What have we turned all of this into? Apostle is a sent one. Simply a sent one. And there are apostles. But everybody's not one. But I've hardly met any pastors. Isn't that incredible? Go to a pastor's meeting, no pastors? Only people who are over pastors. I thought, what am I doing here? 
I must be in the wrong place. This is full of prophets and apostles. I'm just a pastor. What am I doing here? Are you hearing me today? What am I doing here, Sean? There's nobody else like me here. They just arrested prophet so-and-so because he was diverting furniture from its destination to a warehouse where he was stealing it. In Tampa. God told the church in Asia, the book of Revelation, I commend you because you've tried them. You put them to the test that say they are what? Apostles. And found out they are liars. And found out they are what? Liars. Liars. Why would they lie to hold the title? Because of the pride of man who wants to be exalted, not to serve. He that would be great among you, let him become an apostle. No, let him become the servant to you all. What? When did we change the formula that God has given us? Can you say amen? I'm here to serve you today. I'm here to love you and tell you the truth and try to help you be positioned where you can receive from God. Hallelujah. So God can bless you and make you an example to other people of His faithfulness, His goodness, His grace, and His mercy. I represent a good God. I represent a faithful God. I represent a heavenly Father that loves me. Praise God. I represent a prayer-answering God. And it's not because I'm special. It's because we're all special as Christians. I am special, but so are you. Are you a peculiar person? Yes, you are. Upon, He said, I will, I will take unto you as my peculiar treasure of all the people upon the earth. This covenant designates you and distinguishes you from everybody on this planet. That makes you pretty peculiar. Can you say amen? I didn't say pretty and peculiar. I said pretty peculiar. But you're pretty too, so just take that and don't get, your, get the big head. Can you say amen? I'll tell you what, no matter what you look like outside, amen, you are pretty in the sight of God when you truly get saved. Amen. It's time for me to quit. I'm glad I edited this message. This is one of my edited messages. There's so much more to say. Hallelujah. So much more. But God is so good today. Look, look around any church. If, if there isn't high-octane entertainment, the cross and the Christ is not the draw. It is the social events and all the other things. And the, the idea is if we just get them to come, sit here, and watch the praise team, you know, sing. They'll enjoy this, and they'll come back, and they'll give, and we can keep building. And that's not it. Go and make disciples unto me of every nation. We're saved to serve. We're not saved to go serve sin and Satan and self. We're saved to serve God. Hallelujah. And that's what a disciple is a follower of Jesus, hallelujah, who took on himself the form of a servant. Praise God.
How many know we need servants of God in the pulpit that will also serve us and bless us with His Word? Teach us His ways. I'm glad for that letter. It said, I want to worship God acceptably. I, I want to hear more about true worship. I have a heart to worship and serve God. And if you keep listening to those messages, you're going to find out that, that when you leave here, you don't quit worshiping. Whatever you do, do it heartily. As unto the Lord, not unto men, you'll be rewarded of the Lord Christ. Whatever you do, can you see worship going out the door into life? Amen. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Amen. That means on Monday, when you're in the middle of the mess, you're still a worshiper of God. Can you say amen? Well, anyway, that's a whole other message. Will you stand today? We don't have this set up to continue, but we do have uh, Doug's uh, computer, so we know he'll be back. Hallelujah. Praise God. Did you get something out of this service today? You that have listened online to this point, you've listened to a long message. It's a necessary message. It's the evangelist anointing on me right now. And I thank God for you. And I pray this message will not only go to you, but to every child of God and to every church member that we will examine ourselves and make sure we're in the faith that is declared distinguished and delineated in the Word of God because that's the only faith that truly saves. And you that are bound today and have listened to this point and and you know as a Christian there are things that you have indulged in that have become habitual. It's become a habit to you. It's a have you. It has a hold of you. And it's a stronghold. I'm telling you, God, God loves you. He's not here to just condemn you, disown you. He's here to claim you and deliver you and set you free because you do not belong to this world and you certainly do not belong to the devil and you are no debtor to the flesh. Can you say, man, and it's time to crucify that flesh and let Jesus set you free. Can you say, man, for whom the Son sets free, it's the real deal. Can you say, man, He's free indeed. It's real. It's genuine. (laughs) It'll outlast the devil's temptations. Praise God. Every chain will break. Heavenly Father, I'm just going to pray a prayer for myself today. Lord, any sin in my life that I have failed to see or failed to deal with, I confess before You right now in Jesus' name. Everything that still holds me like a chain that seemingly will not break in the name of Jesus, Lord, I declare that You are a way maker and You are a chain breaker. In Jesus' name, break every chain because we want to go free. Not free to do our thing, but free to serve the living and true God. Hallelujah. To lay our head down without guilt and without shame. To know that one day we will stand before you and there will be no condemnation to them that are in Jesus Christ who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Hallelujah. Praise God for the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death. Thank God there's freedom. There's revival. All right, now that you prayed with me in your heart, that prayer. Listen to me. We're closing with this. I I wish Doug was here. He'll probably hear it if this is still recording. 
the man that came to Wales and said, where's the revival? Everybody's looking at the, where's the, the Spirit falling? Where is God moving? This is all about people and hearts that allow Him to move. And you know what the preacher leading that revival, instead of saying, you go down here two blocks, you turn left and go a half a mile, and that church up on the hill is where, go, where the powers come. No, he didn't give an address to the church. Man asked, where's the revival? Where's the revival? And you know what he told him? This is historic. This is part of the testimony of the Welch revival. He said, take a piece of chalk, figuratively. Draw a circle around yourself. And when you get a circle drawn around yourself, commit everything in that circle in full surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you'll find the revival. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Because revival starts when Christians fully surrender to Jesus Christ's Lordship. And God is able to move unencumbered by our rebellion or our flesh getting in the way. Praise God. I will live in them and I will move in them. And they shall be my people and I shall be their God. Can you say, man, and we're going to see changes in lives and changes in other people's lives in that full surrender and that setting free that He wants to bring us. Jesus has supplied everything necessary at Calvary. By faith and obedience, we apply all that He supplied to our life. And there's victory in Jesus. Can you say, man? Did you get anything out of this? I can't play you a song, so I'll sing you one. And you're still clapping. God bless your heart. Amen. I think she's clapping because it's almost over. But anyway, no, you're not. No, you're not. I love you. I, 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 I'm just playing with you a little bit today. Because it says you all need Jesus on your t-shirt. Amen. I like that. Praise the Lord. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take this whole world. But give me Jesus. Take this whole world. But give me Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. I'm turning back, no turning back. I want you to pray for clergy world today. Men and women in pulpits all over America. We need fresh fire to fall. The man I sat at the table with who introduced himself to me as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether he was or wasn't, it was nothing to me. If he was a true apostle, it will show. It won't be by declaration. I picked up the paper. I listened to the Lakeland Ledger online, I looked at it, listened to the news broadcast on Channel 8, Channel 13, the others. This man broke off from his church because he couldn't come under any 
pastor because if you're that, you can't come under a pastor's influence. He starts his own group in a home meeting. See what pride will do? There's no checks and balances now. He suspects because his wife wants to go to her church home, he suspects that she may be having some kind of feelings for the pastor. So one Sunday morning he gets up and takes a gun and he kills her right in their home. I sat with him. He carried a big Bible. He really looked the part. He goes to the church on Sunday morning. He shoots the associate pastor and he shoots the pastor. The associate pastor dies. The pastor survives. But a year later, complications from that gunshot, the pastor passes away. Lakeland, Florida. I met the man at a pastor's meeting where I couldn't hardly find pastors. So when people introduce themselves to me, I'm looking for the marks of an apostle. I'm looking for humility. I'm looking for Christ-likeness. I'm looking for a humble servant of God, not a proud, boastful. Don't listen to nobody because I got it all. You need to listen to me type person. And I'm not talking about listening to me. I'm talking about being humble enough to be teachable. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, many false prophets will go out into the earth. They're here. They're here. And they're here more than ever before in the history of the world or the church. And because iniquity will abound, the love of many will wax cold. And when love waxes cold, there's no reason. If you don't entertain me, if you don't soothe me, if you don't, you know, make it something that I love that will indulge my flesh, I'm not coming. I'm not going to bother about the Word. I'm not going to bother about the anointing. It means nothing to me. I'll sit home and watch Joel. I've had people literally tell me that instead of going to church. Wow. You know what? Call Joel when you're in the hospital and see what happens. We get rid of all the pastors and everybody just watch the televangelist. Call him. Call her. Is that harsh? No, that's truth. Keep sending your money in and call them when pastors are no longer in pulpits and all you have is the television. That guy's not going to come. That woman's not going to come. Not even an associate is going to come. Nobody's going to fly down to the hospital to pray with you or yours. Amen? False prophets are supported by false Christians. And that's why they're thriving. Brother Venable, why doesn't the devil fight them? 
because they are promoting a gospel that will bring you just short of salvation. And you'll be part of the many that say, Lord, Lord, that He'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. You can't just claim Him. You have to meet Him. So in this hour, God let me know people may not want you, and that's evidenced by so many, but I need you to keep declaring this truth because I want to save everybody, and I want to make sure everybody's, everybody knows they're saved. Can you say amen? So, Brother Sean, people may not want me, but God needs me. And I feel His good pleasure today. If you leave to go after the programs, I'll miss you. But I'm going to keep preaching as long as I can with everything I have, as long as God lets me do it. And so far, He's still letting me do it. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if the seats are empty, I'll pray, okay, Lord, where are they? (laughs) Amen. Send me. Here am I. Send me. Well, He sent me to you. He sent me to Tampa. And thank God through the internet, He's sending me to wherever He wants me to go. But He needs me today and more like me. I believe that I'm not bragging. I'm telling you, you can't hear this in your average Sunday morning service. Amen. But we need to in hallelujah. Jesus is coming very soon. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Father, bless this congregation. Bless this people. You told me to feed the flock of God over whom the Holy Ghost has made you an overseer. Lord, I thank you. I'm an under-shepherd. I'm a bell sheep. I'm a follower of Jesus saying, follow me as I follow Him. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you for your blessing on us. And we thank you for the Internet. And we thank you, Lord, for those who will wake up Stand up for Jesus. Take a stand for the Lord in this generation. And we thank you for people that you will send with hungry hearts that we might see them go out in turn and touch others for you as we are endeavoring to do. In Christ's holy name, we're holding out for revival. No more junk for Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. Shake hands with somebody and uh, don't forget to recognize This lady, she's come to get... (laughs) Amen. We love this woman right here. Thank you for the offering. We do need it, and we thank you for giving. Praise God.